This has been such a blessing on Wednesday nights to see so many people come. Um, because this, this, this word that we've been studying, this subject that we've been studying is so important. You know? Um, there's so many people that are being stressed out. So much more than, I mean, life has always been complicated, but it seems like now it's gotten really, really crazy and complicated. Um, it seems like every little thing you try to do, it's like nothing's easy anymore. Uh, thank God that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. And if we don't remind ourselves of those things, we'll fall into trying to do things on our own, trying to do things in our own strength, trying to strategize in our own minds about how we're going to accomplish what we feel like we need to accomplish. So let me pray before we get started. Father, I thank you for tonight, Lord God. I bless you, Lord God. I, I praise you. I give you all the honor and the glory that you deserve, Father. And Lord, I speak peace over every individual here tonight. Father, there's some people that got stressed out trying to get here tonight. And so, Father, I speak peace. I speak wholeness, Father. I pray, God, that by your spirit, Lord, the spirit of grace, Father God, that there would be deposits of grace in the souls of every individual that are here tonight impartations, Father, that can only come by your spirit and from you, Lord God. Lord, I pray that the things we're going to review, uh, the material that we're going to finish with tonight, Father God, would just take us and boost us into a whole new level. Now, Lord, we recognize that you prepare us, Lord, for the things that are up ahead in our lives. And Father, we've seen even throughout these past four weeks as we've been studying this topic, Lord, of not, how, to, how not to lose our minds, Father, the attacks of the enemy seem like they've increased. The warfare against people's minds. Individuals not being able to sleep at night. Uh, people having stomach issues because of anxiety and stress and worry and concern. Now, Lord, you're the Prince of Peace. And so I, I, by faith, Father God, we receive your peace right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Father, those impartations of grace, God, they will manifest differently in each one of us, Father. And for those, Lord God, that need physical healing, I pray for that impartation that can only come from you, Lord, of healing. Father, even as we're, even as we're studying tonight, Father, there's grace for healing. Father, for those who are suffering anxiety because of financial stress. Father God, we pray and we receive right now every need being met, Lord God. Uh, for those, Father God, that are here tonight because they need direction, Father, I pray, God, that your word would be a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet, Father. Give us direction, Lord. We trust you, Father God, to manifest your goodness here tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. I have to move up here because the glare bothers me, but you guys are going to get the glare off my head now. So, sorry about that. Maybe you should all wear your sunglasses next time. All right. How many of you have not been here over the past couple of weeks? Show me your hands. Okay, did you think I was going to guess? Raise your hands again. That's it. Wow. Okay. 
So I'm going to do some review. I'm going to do it very quickly, very fast. We're going to go through that because um, there's some place I want us to get to. We're going to finish tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and we'll see where the Holy Spirit wants us to go next Wednesday. Um, so the main scripture that we've been holding on to for dear life is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. I know you're familiar with that verse of scripture. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned this over the weeks. I don't know that I didn't. If I didn't, forgive me. That word uh, fear uh, is really, in the original language, the word timidity. Now, what does timidity mean? When to be timid. What does it mean to be timid? To be shy, to be withdrawn. To, it's the opposite of being bold and authoritative. And so because of all the things that Timothy was suffering as a, hi, Jane. Um, because of all the things that Timothy as a young pastor was going through, um, he may have developed and may have become traumatized. Because if you remember when we first studied this, if you read the beginning of this chapter, Paul mentions being aware of Timothy's tears. Okay? So, you know, for some people, it takes them a lot to get to that point. So we can imagine persecution going on in Timothy's life. Probably in the area where he was pastoring, there might have been persecution. We know from history that there was persecution all over the Roman Empire, especially in, in the, during the time of the early church. And uh, can I just throw this out here? Um, persecution is the only thing that we're not redeemed from. You understand that? So, so I'm talking about real persecution. Not you go on your job, you make a fool out of yourself, and then nobody wants to be around you when you say, well, it's because I'm a Christian. No, it's because you're a jerk. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about true persecution. Jesus put it this way, for the word's sake. Okay, we're going to suffer persecution. If we're going to live godly, the godly you're going to suffer. We're not redeemed from that. Now, don't mix that up with sickness, disease, poverty, oppression, depression. Any of those things that came into the world as a result of sin, Jesus took upon himself at the cross. Amen? Amen? So don't fall for any of this, this, this false doctrine, okay? The one thing we're not redeemed from is persecution. Now, we can pray. We should, we should be praying for our brothers and sisters in other nations that are suffering terrible persecution, that the grace of God will be upon them, that they'll have the strength to endure, that there will be miraculous interventions, angelic interventions, but we're not redeemed from persecution. So don't mix that thing up, okay? All right, you got that? Yes. All right, so for God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and a sound mind. Spirit of fear, because it's written this way here, many have assumed that there's an actual spirit, an entity, an evil spirit that brings fear. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about for a person, like for Timothy specifically. God's not giving you an attitude of timidity. In fact, the Bible tells us, I think back in Proverbs somewhere, the righteous are bold as lions. That's the attitude. Let's be bold. Not arrogant, not haughty, not prideful, but let's be bold. Okay? Okay? 
All right, let's go through this real quick. Number one, stop trying to figure everything out yourself. What are we talking about? Remember what we're talking about? We're talking about how not to lose your mind. Okay? Let's say that together. How not to lose your mind. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. All right? Number one, stop trying to figure everything out yourself. We went through this a bunch of times. Let me read the scripture. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That takes pressure right there. That takes off pressure right there. Do not be wise in your own eyes. You know, being wise in your own eyes is a form of pride. Wanting to do things your way without God's help is a form of pride. It's actually a result of pride. It springs forth from pride. Okay? Uh, humility says, God, I, I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your resources. I need your empowerment. I need you. I can't do this on my own. Okay? And what happens? Grace just floods into our lives. Why? Because God resists the, but gives grace to the humble. Okay. And he shall direct your paths. Acknowledge him. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be healthy. Here it is. How not to lose your mind. Okay? Because if you have problems in your flesh, it's going to affect your mind. Yes or no? Okay. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now, you want your bones strong. Because that's the framework of who you are. Okay? And so when fear comes, one of the first things that affects in us is our stability physically. Physically. Have you ever gotten yourself so upset, something hits you at left field, your stomach cramps up, you feel like you're going to faint, your legs get weak. That, that's, so, so if we fear the Lord, if we respect the Lord, hold him in a place of awe and honor, it's going to be flesh, it's going to be strength to us. It's going to bless us. It's going to, our flesh is going to be strong. Amen? Amen? And when we're strong in body, in our physical nature, our attitude is better. Amen? Amen? All right, good. All right, so let's go. Number two, beware of distractions. Beware of distractions. And it's good that we're right in the middle of the summer. What's today? Third of August. So primary, the prime vacation times usually are the last two weeks of July, the first two weeks of August. And people go on vacations and they get distracted. And then it takes them, it's all of a sudden one day in the middle of September, they wake up and go, oh, I guess I should go to church today. Beware of distractions. Now, thank God, thank God this summer, this summer season here, we've not seen that. If anything, we see more people coming to church. Okay, that's very unusual. Normally this time of the year, it's like crickets. I want to be at the beach. I want to go on the boat. I want to go to a picnic. I want to go here. I want to go there. I want, I want, I want, I want. Beware of distractions. I love this scripture. Don't want to, I wouldn't want to go into any other scripture. Uh, Proverbs 4.25, look straight ahead. Okay, we could say it this way. Look only unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He had to stay, do you realize he had to stay focused? Do you realize the pain that he was in? He had to stay focused. He had to stay focused. Look straight ahead, fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark, this is, see, now who's going to do this now? Mark out a straight path for your feet. Who's going to do that? We are. There's no use praying, oh God, mark out a straight, no, God says you do it. Because it needs to involve your will. You need to be in your heart. Okay, this is what I need to do. I need to be focused. I need to be, no distractions. Uh, I need to have the ability. 
in the name of Jesus, the ability to recognize a distraction when it first shows up on the scene. Okay, listen to me. If you're gonna pray for anything for yourself, if you, certainly if you're gonna pray for anything for me, um, pray for discernment. Discernment. There's two seats up here. There's some seats up here. Okay. Pray for discernment. Why? Because we're living in a time of unprecedented deception. Unprecedented deception. You get it? Look, look over here, over here. That's why he calls a sheep. A twig falls out of a tree. Nah. And so you got distracted. <laughs> so, you realize sometimes if you catch a distraction right away and you, you just get it when it first starts to happen, you'll be okay. But how many of you remember times when you got sucked into a distraction and it may have taken you years to recover? Years to recover. So let's do, let's do that. Let's mark our straight path. Stay on a safe path. Verse 27, verse 27, I love this. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Who's going to do it? Who's going to keep your feet from following evil? You have to. Now, we're always praying for God's help. We're always praying for, again, discernment. We're always praying for the ability to, to see uh, the next step. How many like to play checkers? I picked a good one. How many of you have ever played checkers? Thank you. You could have stretched a little bit. The thing I love about checkers is I love that you have to anticipate not the move you're making now, but what is it going to do in the future? What is it going to trigger? Okay? And that's how we need to live. Not anxious, depending on God. Okay? Because, you know, one of the things that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, that's a practical thing. Okay? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we have this tendency to think with all out there. But Jesus, when he introduced the Holy Spirit, he introduced him very practically. He said, he's going to be your teacher. Okay? He's going to remind you of the things that I said. Okay? Go read this, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16. Okay? But then he said this. He will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. None of us should ever be taken by surprise by anything. And honestly, I know you've done this. How many times something does seem like it's coming out of left field, but then when you think about it, you start going, I had a feeling. I had this feeling on the inside about this. Well, it wasn't a feeling. That was God going, hey, 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 wake up. This is, this is on the other side of that hill. Okay? You got it? So we, we need discernment. We need to stay there. Okay, number three. One of the areas that causes major stress is jealousy and envy. Okay, and maybe we should spend some time on this one. See, because we live in a society right now, and we live in a culture that fosters jealousy and envy. You know, you see the beautiful car on TV, the commercial. 
Um, can we, do we have a seat for that person there, please? Okay. Um, so we see this beautiful car. And of course, in the beautiful car, there's either a beautiful woman or a very handsome man and the whole bit. So you sit there and you go, well, I, wish I, I wish I had a car like that. Or I wish I looked like that. <laughs> Let's face it, there's only so many things that, you know, I know God's a God of miracles, but... And so what does it do? We live in a society that fosters jealousy. You watch those TV shows with the, with the constructing their homes and all this other thing, and you sit there and then you look at your house. You see what I'm saying? Now, now you're trying to figure out in your head, how can I do this? And how can I, what color paint? And do I, do, can I fix it? You know what I'm talking about? What happened? You, you were perfectly content with your house before you turned that television on. You see what I'm saying? We live in a culture that fosters, there's some seats over here, that fosters jealousy. That fosters that idea of, I want what the other person has. Even if you don't need it, and even if you really never had it, because they have it, you want it. Okay? Do you ever live in a neighborhood where one person does something to their house and you see, the contractors know this. It's why they put their sign on the lawn. And then everybody else, oh, they put a new garage door in. Look at our garage door. It's peeling. It's a, next thing you know, you're calling the person. Don't get mad at me. I'm talking reality here. You call the, you call the contractor and go, how much did they spend on their door? How much was that door? Okay, now he knows how you are. And he goes, oh, that was a medium quality door. I got this other door that's $1,000 more, but it's really worth it. Now you go for the $1,000 more door. Now the neighbor on the other side of you, you know where I'm going, right? They call the next day, how much did they spend? Oh, well, they got the grade A door, but I've got one that's the deluxe. You never have to paint it. Now you want that one. You see what I'm saying? Now, the person who started this thing, who put the first garage door, now they're mad because the guy didn't tell them about the garage door that doesn't have to get painted anymore. Now they want the upgrade. Now, I know I'm, I'm dragging this out here, but I want to make a point. I don't think we honestly realize how much we're driven by jealousy and envy. And we, and we jeopardize relationships. We jeopardize our own sanity, our own stability, our calmness, our peace of mind. Because we keep thinking, if I get something else, if I get one more thing, that's going to make me happy. Honey, there's only one thing that's going to bring contentment in our lives. It's the spirit of the living God living, living inside of us. Having the Prince of Peace here. Here. Okay? You got it? I'm not even going to go into the scripture because I think you guys got this already. Oh, okay, I will. Somebody's going to go away. He, said, he didn't say in scripture to number three. Psalm 37, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Now, Psalm 37 is a good psalm, but it's really talking about jealousy about and against people who are not godly but still seem to prosper. Okay? Don't, don't, that shouldn't even be a challenge because that blessing is very temporary. It's only in this life. Now, the bad part is, is when we get jealous of another brother and sister in the Lord 
because they seem to be prospering. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Okay? Now, um, some of you are sitting there like, oh, I would never. <laughs> it's, it's part of our unregenerated nature. That's, now, watch this now. As soon as you recognize that, go to God with it. Don't try to bury it because it's only going to come back to life. Okay? Go to God and say, Lord, I don't, I don't really want to feel this way. Could you please help me? Holy Spirit, help me. Help me change my attitude. Help me have a change of heart. Help me to be really genuinely joyful about that individual. Because honestly, you don't know what they had to do to get to where they are. You don't know how much they had to believe God. You don't know how, many, how much they waited. Uh, you don't know how much patience they had to in, develop. You don't know the things they had to endure in the natural. Amen? Amen. So be happy when somebody else is prospering. Okay? Uh, I've seen that in our lives. We were a lot more popular years ago when we had nothing. I know. It's sad. You know? Everybody's your friend when you don't have anything. But as soon as God starts to bless you, then you start to find out who your real friends are. And it's sad, but unfortunately it's true. It's the way it is. But you still love people. Amen? Turn it, but turn somebody say, I still love you. And I know we know these things, but it's like we need to be reminded. And uh, let me throw these couple of statements out. Jealousy is a form of hatred built upon insecurity. I'm going to say it again. Jealousy is a form of hatred built upon insecurity. When you're secure in your own life, when you're secure in your own relationship with God the Father, um, nothing that happens in somebody else's life really bothers you. You're like, hey, that's great, wonderful. God bless you. Like I said originally when I preached this, just say, hey, I'm next. I'm in the same line they're in. They're ahead of me. They got their blessing first. I'm, I'm right here. Here I am. God didn't forget you. God didn't forget you. Jealousy is when you count someone else's blessings instead of your own. I don't know if you guys got that one. Don't be that person that stays up at night trying to figure out how somebody else got something that you don't have yet. Be grateful for what you have. Paul said, I've learned to be content in all situations. Amen? Amen? Now, be content, but not satisfied. Tilt. Be content, but not satisfied. Be content in the stage that you're in, but always be looking for what's coming next. Always be looking for it. Because, you know, um, it takes faith to sow seed, but it also takes faith to harvest that seed. What would happen to a farmer if they only planted seed, but then at the end of the summer, they didn't bother to come out of the house to, to gather the harvest? What would happen to it? All right, so now we need discernment to understand. Discernment, say discernment. Discernment, discernment to understand what season we're in. If I'm in a season of planting, then why would I get myself all frustrated because there's no harvest yet? That's not the season I'm in. I'm in a season of planting. Okay? 
Now, when time goes on, because the kingdom of God operates by seed. Now, if you're over here, don't be frustrated because you're not experiencing here yet. The season's going to change. Now, the idea is to be constantly planting so that you have a constant harvest. But be sensitive to the seasons that you're in. Hey, Frankie. All right. Envy makes people say, I have to have this now because they didn't wait because of their envious spirit. They end up in financial problems. Should I do that again? Okay. Envy makes people say, I have to have this now. And because they didn't wait for the season of harvest, because they're envious of the person who's already in the season of harvest, they end up in financial difficulty. Anybody can live like a big shot today for about 18 months. Anybody can live like a big shot. Yeah. Get your credit thing extended. Yeah, big shot. Pull out that card. And so on the outside, it looks like, wow. What did they step into, you know? Wait about 18 months. It takes about 18 months for that credit card. Well, it'll take a few months for the credit card bill to come. And then it'll take you about another 14 or so months to realize that you overspent so much money and you don't have the ability to pay it. But you got what you wanted now. So instead of having patience to, and I'm getting ahead of myself, instead of having patience to wait until you can actually afford it, and, and go through that kind of, if you want to call it suffering, or having to apply patience, having to just, just trust God. Now, now you're suffering on the other side of the thing. And by the time you come to your senses, now the thing that you bought is either obsolete or old. And now you're going through the suffering on the other end of it. Is this too real tonight? Okay. All right. So we got that? So many people get into debt because they want it now. Want it now. I want it now. I need a vacation now. Okay, so you're going to take that vacation now. Because then you're going to suffer for it later on when you realize the vacation's over. You need a vacation from the vacation. And now you've got to worry about how you're going to pay for it. How about just taking a vacation and getting away from the things of this world and just getting yourself in the presence of God and receive that refreshing Receive the refreshing. There is a refreshing that comes from the presence of God. There is a refreshing that comes from just, you want the best vacation? Lock yourself in a room and go pray in the spirit for about two hours. Because God said, I'll refresh them. Amen. Okay. Number four. Let's go number four because we've got to move down. One of the tricks of the devil is overemphasis on what people think about you. This is an easy one. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, New Living Translation. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Because he alone examines the motives of our hearts. Okay? Let me skip down to this one here. Many of the religious leaders in Jesus' time may have missed out on salvation because of this very, because of this mistake. John chapter 12, verse 42. 
Look at this closely, because I, I didn't cover this in any of the, the, the previous parts of this series. Okay, look at, look at John chapter 12. Okay, this is very close now to the Last Supper, because John chapter 13, we start picking up on, okay, this is Jesus' last hours on the earth, okay? So by this time, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, all of the people that were around Jesus have about three years of watching him do what he's doing. That should have been way more than enough time to establish the basis of faith within their heart, okay? Now, it's talking about the Pharisees, which is, which is part of the religious community here. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers, that's talking about Sadducees, Pharisees, scribes, the whole religious establishment, believed in him. Who's him? Jesus. Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him so that they would not be excommunicated from the synagogue. So watch this now. They believed in their hearts who Jesus was. But because of pressure about what other people was going to think about them, because of pressure that they might lose their job, lose their position, lose their house, whatever, they did not confess him. They would not publicly declare their faith in him. Why? Because they were afraid of getting thrown out of synagogue. What was the reason behind it? For they loved, read it with me nice and loud, for they loved the approval of people rather than the approval of God. You constantly looking for the approval of people will cause you to lose your mind. And you will, you will inevitably become a spiritual prostitute. What do you mean by that? You will form yourself into whatever that other person or people want so that you'll get what you need from them. You, you getting this? So can I, can I offer you something as a uh, kind of like a tool for the future? When you step into a new relationship, you step onto a new job, you move into a new neighborhood, whatever, whenever you're stepping into something new, let people know who you are immediately. Not, not in a horny sense, but let them know. Because people will begin to immediately form uh, opinions about who you are. If you keep your mouth shut about your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, the fact that you're a Christian, the fact that you attend a spirit-filled, born-again church, then it becomes harder and harder to share that side of who you are as the relationship grows. So then you end up keeping your mouth shut for way too long. Then when you come out with who you are, they feel like they've been... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Come on. Bamboozled is a good one. Or you've been a phony all this time. You know, that's what I'm saying. And what happens then? Now you lose your witness. You lose your ability to minister to those individuals. But now you're suffering from guilt and condemnation, which is going to affect your mind. Credibility, thank you. Does this make sense? Because some of you look at me like, I don't know how that applies to my life. Okay, Uh, let people know who you are. I'm not talking about put 15 bracelets on, a Jesus t-shirt. I'm not talking, I'm just talking, just just be out with it. Uh, Are you getting this? Yes. Practical. Save you a lot of trouble. Yes. Okay. I had this experience personally to myself here. 
in my early years when I first got born again. I've told you this story. I had a couple in my life. They were older. They could have been my parents. But we met through business. And then they, we started hanging out together. They were like, like second parents to us. Came over when our kids' birthdays, the whole bit. They owned a business in the area here. And then I get born again. And naturally, the first people I want to go tell that I got born again was this couple. Now, mind you now, this is a couple who taught me how to go to Atlantic City and gamble. This is a couple who told me how to do some things in business that weren't exactly godly, okay? So now I go tell them, hey, guys, I gotta tell you what happened to me. Um, you know, I don't know how, you, how you're gonna take this or anything, but you know, I'm not the same person I used to be. I got born again. And they both looked at each other and laughed. They said, oh, we got born again 15 years ago. I'm like, what? No, no, now listen, my reaction was, are you kidding me? I just went through almost committing suicide. I've just gone through the worst hell of my life. You watched this and you never told me that of the hope that was in you through Christ Jesus. All right, so we got that one? Number five, this is where we stopped last week. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. The best way to keep yourself sane and to maintain your, maintain your soundness of mind. Here we go. Okay, this is it. This is the prescription. This is the key. These are the weapons, okay? And they work every single time. Say the first, the first phrase, let's say it nice and loud all together. Be anxious for nothing. You want to read the rest of it? Okay. But in everything by prayer and supplication with, with, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? Guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is it. This is the best way to stay sane. This is the best way to stay stable. This is the best way to maintain uh, your stability in life so that you could be a blessing to other people. Be anxious for nothing. Make the decision. No matter what comes, you're not going to freak out. Why? Remind yourself of this. No matter what hits your life, it was not a surprise to God. He knew it was coming before he said, sun be, moon be. He knew it was coming. Be anxious or nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication. We talked about this last week. Prayer, obviously prayer is, is communicating with God. Okay, but prayer can also be speaking the word over the situation. But supplication is more like, Let's sit down and talk about this, God. And you present your case, and then God presents his case. Okay? We need that. We need that. We need, as humans, we need to be able to get things off of our chest. Amen? Not, and, but unfortunately, so many of us are taught to pray. Okay, here I come. Uh, God, here, I'm here in Jesus' name. Uh, I need this, I need this, I need this. You said this, you said this, you said that. Thank you, I receive it in Jesus' name, and you go away. And what happens? Now, you've taken the thing and you put it in God's hands, but you still have, emotionally, you're still carrying it. Why? Because you never got the emotion out. You, are, you, are you seeing this? You never got the emotion out. You're still carrying it. And that's why then you gotta go, well, maybe he didn't hear me the first time. Now I'm gonna go back and, Father, here I am in the name of Jesus. I come to you in Jesus' name because Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I'll do it for you. Okay, I need this, I need this, I need this, like he's Santa Claus. Okay, I need this, I need that. And, and you said this about that, and you said this about that. So we know the word. 
We know the word, okay? And listen, this is better than doing nothing at all. But I believe with all my heart the reason why the Holy Spirit has laid this out and added the supplication with not belly aching. Prayer, communication with God, supplication, sitting down and presenting the argument. Brother Hagin told the story many years ago when we were in Bible school. When he was pastoring a church, the gentleman that was the head of his children's department got involved in a very bad accident on his job and was in the hospital in a coma. And they said to him, we doubt if this man's going to survive. And Brother Hagin talked about spending hours that night presenting his case to the Lord Jesus Christ, saying this, Lord, this man has a family and children. You need to raise him up. Lord, this man is the head of my Sunday school department. I need him. Lord, this guy's like one of the biggest givers in church. You cannot afford to lose him and lose his family. Okay? Prayed along those lines, prayed in the spirit when he felt satisfied that things had turned around. When the gentleman came out of this thing, okay, Brother Hagen went to talk to him. And he said, I was there. The gentleman said to him, I was in heaven. And I did not want to come back. And Jesus said, I don't have a choice. I got to send you back because Brother Hagen won't let you go. <laughs> now, listen to me. We had a similar thing happen here years ago. I'm talking about the early years. There was a mother and son that were coming to church here. The son was very heavily involved here. Eventually became one of our employees, eventually. Uh, single mom. He doesn't have a dad. Very little family. He was about the same age as, as our older children. She's coming to midweek service. You remember? She's coming to midweek service. She parks her car across the street behind the, the cabinet, kitchen cabinet place. She's crossing the street, and another church member hits her and hit her bad. Okay? It was not, that back then, we used to have service on Thursday night. So they rush her to Jersey Shore Hospital. I hand the service over to whoever, get in the car with her son, run up to Jersey Shore Hospital, and that whole night, I'm standing in the waiting area, and it was windows here, with my face up against the window going, Lord, don't let her stay. She's had a tough life. If she gets a glimpse of heaven, she's not going to come back, and I'm going to have to raise this kid. I will have to adopt him. This is not the best situation. I mean, I'll do it if I have to, but it's not the best situation for him. This young man needs his mom. He doesn't have any family. Please, Father. Do it. And I'm thinking about Brother Hagen, what he talked about years before. I said, please, do not let her get a glimpse of the other side because she ain't going to come back. Month later, after she comes out of his coma, after weeks and stuff like this, we go visit her. So, so tell me, what, was, what did you see? She said, I'm so mad, I couldn't see anything. I wanted to see Jesus. I wanted to see heaven. It was just nothing. It was like I fell asleep yesterday and woke up today. I'm like, hallelujah. What was that? That's supplication. You see what I'm saying? We can present our case to God. You remember, Abraham presented his case to God. He said, well, you wouldn't destroy this city for 50 people, right? No. How about 40? How about 20? How about 10? He stopped at 10 because he knew that's about as far as I could push this thing. But he negotiated with God. We had to, if that's under the old covenant, how much more now in the new covenant? 
that his spirit actually lives inside of us that we can, we can, God, look, hey, you know, we'll talk about this. All right. All right. So be anxious for nothing, but everything in prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Make sure you add the thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is like the bow on the package. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, the shalom of God, the completeness, the wholeness of God, which surpasses all understanding. What's it going to do? It's going to guard your heart. That's a military term. In the original language, that's a military term. That's literally like having a squadron of soldiers surrounding your heart and surrounding your mind. Why? Because your life comes from there. This is where your life comes from, from your heart. Your mind is going to make decisions based on which way your heart goes. If we don't protect them, that's how we make stupid decisions sometimes. Amen? All right, good. We're going to finish tonight in Jesus' name. Amen? Okay. Psalm 55, verse 22. I think we talked about this a little bit, but I, wanted, I want this to kind of segue into the next part. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Cast your burden. Remember we talked about this last week? Cast it. Set it up. Don't just like haphazardly here. No, set it up. Be focused. Be prepared that once you let this go and you give it to God, you're not taking it back anymore. Not in your thought life, definitely not with your speech. You, you disconnect from it. Okay, it's not a tether bowl. You, you just, you just, that's it, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not taking this anymore. And the devil's gonna come and go, oh, yeah, well, you know, but you didn't say this and you didn't say that. And you didn't. No, I'm letting this go. God, you're the only one that can take care of this for me. I'm letting this go. I'm not thinking about it anymore. I'm just gonna go live my life I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Amen. Well, what do I do, Pastor, when I start worrying? You feed on his faithfulness. Amen. Start reminding yourself of the things that he's done in the past. He doesn't change. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, well, Pastor, I'm very new to this thing. I really don't have much of a track record. Then go look in the Bible, what he did for other people. Because what he did for somebody else in the Bible, he'll do for you. Amen? Amen? Cast it. Cast the burden. Don't carry the burdens. We are, you and I were not designed to carry burdens. Amen? Amen? Now, don't let prayer be the last resort, but let it be the first strategy of battle. Jeremiah 33.3. This was a big, big scripture for us many, many years ago. Call to me, and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things, look, which you do not know. See, that's where we get in trouble, and that's where we start losing the stability in our minds. Because we don't know what we don't know. Amen. And that's where we can get tripped up. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. All right. So, call to him. He'll answer you. Prayer. First thing should be prayer. And I know we're all notorious for this. We try to figure everything in ourselves. We try to do everything in our own power. Or we try to enlist 16 other people who probably have their own things that they're worrying about. Okay? We try to get them to stand with us um, to get something done. But look, can we just be honest with each other tonight? Everybody's got something. Everybody's got something. So now, yeah, can we pray in agreement? Absolutely. First time I ever had that, Pastor Joy might remember this because he was there that night. Very first time I ever was involved in what we call the prayer of agreement. Okay? And I'm, I'm bringing this out for a reason. Uh, I had just started attending the church where Pastor Joy had been there for a number of years before I was. 
And I started going to a kind of a Bible study thing. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, and this one particular night, there's a group of people, I think you were in a, a circle of people praying. And so, you know, I'm like, I, I want to be in on everything. So I'm like, what are we doing? Oh, we're praying for the pastor. What are we praying for? Uh, for him to get a plane. There's 200 people in this church. You, you understand where I'm going with this? Plane, what plane? What does he need a plane for? There's 200 people in this church. I don't know if you remember this or not. Okay? So I'm there, but I was not in agreement. Now, I'm not saying it was my fault that he never got the plane. But you understand what I'm saying? So now watch this now. What if this was something that he really, really needed? And now he's depending on us. And we're, we're going... But in our hearts, we're not in agreement. You understand what I'm saying? When, you, when you're going to enlist individuals to stand with you, listen to me. You've got to know who they are. You don't just grab anybody out of the, you go, hey, listen, hey, come here. I need you to pray agreement with you. Agree for what? I don't, you see what I'm saying? And we do this all the time. Oh, please, could you agree with me? How do you know what that per, what's in that person's heart? How do you know where they're at? They could be just doing it to you. I was just doing it to you. Them. Yeah, sure, let them get a plane. Let them get two. You hear what I'm saying? Yes. So we go to God. Listen, the greatest victories you're ever going to have, somebody write this down. The greatest victories you're ever going to have is when it's just you and God. Yes. And I know we're uncomfortable with that because we can't see him. We can see people, so we want to get allies. We want to build a team. But the greatest victories you're ever going to have are the ones that's just you and God. Okay, here's what I want to talk about. Let God know the things you're concerned about. I don't know what it is about us. We treat God like we treat each other sometimes. We don't want people to know our business, so we stuff things. We, we have a problem with somebody. We don't want to go through the pain and the suffering to work through it, so we stuff it, we hold on to it, and then eventually it blows up someplace else. You know what I'm saying? We can't do that with God. He already knows. He already knows what your situation is. Now listen, this is not in my notes, guys. So I'm just going to, Jay, I'm just going to go right to the word. I've used this example before because I can't find a better one in the scriptures. You guys remember the story of David and Bathsheba? All right, where, you know, he should have been out fighting with the rest of the kings and he should have been out. He should have been around. He should have been about God's business, but he stays home because he needs a mental, what do they call that? Mental day off? Or what does that call it? Mental health day. He needed a mental health season, so he stays home. Okay, he's up. He's got a rooftop deck there and he's on his rooftop and his next door neighbor's wife is taking a bath in the jacuzzi next door. And he gets a glimpse of her. Now, she's not flaunting. She's not acting... She's not expecting the king to be home because everybody else is out fighting. Why is this guy home? I shouldn't have to worry about it. So you can't blame her. She, she's thinking, hey, everybody's gone. It's safe. I can go in the pool. Okay? And you know the story. He summons her. Um, they... And she gets pregnant. Okay? And, and now David, instead of, instead of going to God... Try, he, he develops this elaborate plot to get rid of her husband. First, he gets him drunk. This way he figures he'll go home. He'll think it's his kid. 
But the guy, even though he wasn't a Jew, had more honor and more respect and more fear of God than even David did, okay? And so he, he will not touch his wife because he says, how can I have enjoyment with my wife when my brothers are fighting on the battlefield? You're talking about a man of honor. Okay, so now David goes, okay, this ain't gonna work. So now he plots to have him killed. He has Uriah killed. Bathsheba then becomes his wife. There's only one problem. The baby dies. Okay, and he's in deep mourning and then he comes out of this mourning and he's like, okay, this is over with and so we're going into this next stage of life. But there's a very interesting conversation that happens between Nathan the prophet who's speaking on behalf of God and David. Nathan the prophet goes and confronts David because it's like God's like, no, I care too much about David. I gotta, I gotta let him confront this situation here. You guys know the story, right? So, so Nathan develops this illustration, okay? Basically exposing David for what he did to his next door neighbor's wife and what he did to his next door neighbor. And so he tells him the story of this, this poor man that had one little lamb and this rich guy who has this big plantation, a ranch, and he's got thousands of sheep, but somebody comes to visit him and he's going to slaughter one of the sheep to serve it to his guests, but instead of taking one in his, he takes the only one that that poor man had. Slaughters that lamb, prepares it, serves it to him, and, and David gets like a furious gift. He goes, who is this guy? Bring him to me. He deserves to die. And Nathan goes, you're the guy. You could have anybody in Israel, but you took the one wife of your next door neighbor. Now watch the conversation that happens from God through Nathan to David. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Watch this now. Um, that's not up there. It is now. 12, 7? Good. Okay, good. I'm going to go all the way down to verse 9. All right. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel. And I delivered you from the hand of Saul. You remember that? 15 years of running from Saul, okay? Crazy man. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. Look at this now. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his sight? And then goes on to expose it. But watch this now. What I want, to, I want us to get impacted by tonight is this. We all have desires within our heart. Some of them are godly. Some of them are ungodly. If we will take the desires to God, instead of trying to fulfill them ourselves, he will change our heart. He will bring something else into our life that will extinguish that ungodly desire so that you don't wreak havoc in some other... Look, David destroyed a family. Then because of this, God says to him, because you did this, the sword's not going to depart from your family. Listen to me. Whatever those hidden desires are, don't allow them to fester in your soul. Don't allow them to drive you to another person that you got no business being involved with. Okay, I'm talking about on your job, in your neighborhood, and maybe another extended family member. Don't let that ungodly desire drive you to do something that you're going to be very, very, very sorry for later. 
Don't let it drive you to your computer in the middle of the night. Don't let it drive you to the bar down the street. Don't let it drive you to any place but God. If we will bring those desires to him, he will either do one of two things. He'll either give us a desire of our heart or he will change the desire of our heart. You and I cannot be, can afford, we, we cannot afford to go try to do these things on our own. They're always going to blow up in our face. They're always going to damage somebody. It could damage a whole family. It could damage somebody else's marriage. It could damage, it could damage a lot of things. Don't do it. Why? Because you'll end up losing your mind. I know it's serious, but now let's wrap this up. You're going to give me five more minutes so we can finish this? All right, the rest of you, I guess, are going to leave. Can you give me five more minutes, please? All right, here's one of the best ways not to lose your mind. Receive the peace of God by faith. I'm going to say it again. Let it sink in because you say, well, that's so obvious. I know, but we don't do it. Receive the peace of God by faith. You know how some of us want to receive the peace of God? Through natural circumstances. We get in a bad mood, we get disappointed, we get discouraged, and we'll never say this to anybody, but we go like this. Well, maybe, maybe God's going to do something good, and that'll change my mood. <laughs> or maybe I'll go shopping, and I'll find a big sale at Macy's, <laughs> and that'll change my mood. Or maybe I'll, I'll go and, and uh, have some comfort food, and now, you're, now you're, you're, you're like shoving cannolis in your mouth, like... <laughs> you, you, do you understand what I'm trying? I'm making light of the situation, but do you understand what I'm saying? Don't do that. Receive the peace of God by faith. Amen. Now, now watch this now. You're going to have to develop something as part of your character and as part of your lifestyle in order to be able to do that on a consistent basis. Because most of us receive peace when something that we can smell, taste, touch, feel, when we receive that, then we receive the peace of God. Like, like, uh, like when you threw a tantrum when you were a little kid and your mother finally goes, oh, just shut up. Here, here's a cookie. Okay, I'm, I feel better now. Yeah. The situation didn't get resolved. You just shoved a cookie in it. <laughs> don't, don't just shove a cookie in it. Wait on the Lord. Commit the situation to him. Stop trying to figure everything out. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Look to him for direction. Look to him for wisdom. Look to him with your deepest needs on the inside that are eating you up. Go to him for these things. Now watch this now. Let's talk about Abraham. Okay, we don't talk enough about Abraham. This man of faith and patience. Faith and patience. Most of us are like faith and patience. <laughs> Abraham was a very patient man. Okay, we look at Abraham's life and we read in this chapter, God speaks to him. And the next chapter, God spoke to him again. And we think it was one day, to, oh, 15 years could have went by. He waited 25 years for Isaac to show up. Faith and, patience. come on, faith and patience. You need faith and patience because the kingdom operates by seed. You getting this? Romans chapter four, verse 19. Now, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, 
He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, through unbelief, through unbelief. But he was strengthened in giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. You getting this? Let's go over it again. Let's go over it. Let's start from the beginning. And not being weak in faith. So not being weak in faith means he's taking the time to strengthen his faith. How do we do that? We go back and we remind ourselves of the promises of God. We remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. We remind ourselves what God's done in our own personal life, but then we also look in the Word and go, wow, he did this for Noah, he did this for Abraham, he did this for David, he did this for Daniel. He's certainly going to take care of me. That's how we build our faith. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing the, by the Word of God. Okay. So did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. So if you eliminate unbelief, if you, if you choose, you make a decision, I, I don't care how difficult it looks, I don't care how impossible it looks, I'm going to keep believing God. You won't waver. Why? Because you didn't entertain any unbelief. You won't waver if you went to, unless you entertain unbelief. Now, what's unbelief? Unbelief is not that you've never heard. Unbelief is that you heard and you thought, nah, nah, it's not possible. He can't do that. You see the difference? You see the difference? There's a big difference between an unbeliever and a never heard. A person that never heard is never heard. So how can they have faith? They'd never But unbelief is dangerous because unbelief is you heard, you, you try to sort it out, you try to do the figures and it doesn't add up and you go, nah, I, I, don't, I don't believe. But you see, we clean it up and we make it nice and we go to each other. I don't know if I have the faith for that yet. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. What was the promise of God? God said, no, you're going to have a son. You and Sarah are going to have a son. It's going to be a son from your bodies, not somebody else's. It's going to be yours. 25 years goes by. That's a lot of looking at the sand and a lot of looking at the stars. Because God said, if you, if you can count the sand, uh, on, on, on this, you, you know, if you can count the sand, that's how many descendants you're going to have. If you can count the stars, that's how many descendants. So when, so when Abraham would get in his head and start tempted to not believe God, you go outside, look at, if it's daytime, you go outside, look at the sand. If it's nighttime, go outside, look at the stars. Strengthening himself in faith. Amen? But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Faith, faith. But faith mixed with what? Patience. Patience. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. This reinforces it. See, it's introduced in Romans, then later on in Hebrews, it reinforces it. We wanted you to show the same diligence to the very end so that you, what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, slothful, but to imitate those who through Come on, come on. Who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Next verse. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, turn to somebody and say, waiting patiently. Waiting patiently is not, is not waiting patiently is not this. Waiting patiently is almost like 
you forget about it. You leave it in God's hand. You planted the seed, you walk away. You don't dig up the seed every two hours. Oh, is it, did it, is it, is it? So after waiting patiently, read it nice and loud. One, two, three. Abraham received what was promised. Is there another verse? I don't think so. So how did he receive what was promised? Through what? Faith and patience. Now you got to train yourself for that. Because your mind is going to want, I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. I want it now. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? You're going to have to tell your soul, shut up. Jesus said, possess ye your souls. So faith and patience, two ingredients for sanity. Faith in God's ability and patience for his timing. We know he can do it. We just want it now. We just want it now. Faith and patience are easy when you have confidence in God. The last verse and we're done. First John, there it is. I love this verse of scripture. I love this verse of scripture. I don't know how many of you and how old you are in the Lord, how many years you've been following God, how many years you've been studying the Bible. But there was a time period in, in my church history um, where there was this teaching going on about breaking ungodly words that are spoken over you. Okay, I don't know, does anybody remember that? Years and years and years ago. Right? And people were just jumping. Every time something went wrong in your life, oh, somebody's speaking ungodly words over me. Basically, it's witchcraft, okay? It's witchcraft. And Christians were falling for this left and right. And it was bothering me because it just didn't sit right with me. And then one day, I was reading 1 John, came to chapter 5, and I went, oh, my God. This is the answer right here. And this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, read it out loud with me, according to his will, he hears us. So if somebody's speaking something over my life not according to God's will, guess what? God's going, ah, 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 ah. I can't tell you how many relationships broke up back then. I'm talking like 30 years ago, okay? Because you'd be suspicious. It was like, it was like the Salem witch trials. If something was going wrong in your life, oh, somebody's, somebody's speaking witchcraft prayers over me. Somebody's praying things, ungodly things over me. What are you worried about? God can't hear that. God doesn't hear it. He's the only one that has the, the ability to bring that manifestation in your life. This is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he, he say it with me, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, say it with me, come on, we know that we have what we ask of him, which ties back to Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. Can we put that back up? Jay, you're doing an awesome job tonight, buddy. Here it is. Now, see, if you think that people can speak things over your life and you allow it to settle there, now you're going to have anxiousness. You're going to have anxiousness. But he said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we'll receive it. Amen. You listening? Yes. So, stop trying to figure everything out. Stop being wise in your own eyes. 
Be careful about distractions. Be very discerning. Ask the Lord for discernment. Ask the Holy Spirit for discernment. He'll show you things to come. Amen. He'll show you. Okay? What else? Stay away from jealousy. I don't have a number six. Do I have a number six? There was five. Number five was, was how to stay, how to stay, how to, you got me. The best way to keep yourself sane and maintain your soundness of mind. Number five. You're welcome. Okay? This should be easy for us. Look at me. This is everyday life. Once you train yourself what to stay away from and train yourself what to pour yourself into and what you allow to pour into you, it'll be, it'll be okay. You'll, you'll have sanity. Again, as soon as something seems like it's coming out of left field to attack your mind, your body, your finances, your family, your children, your marriage, don't panic. Panic is what the enemy wants. Do not panic, okay? I was having this conversation with somebody today or yesterday. The first reaction you have to an attack is going to determine how you come to that attack. If you let it just totally blow you away and just throw you over, it's going to take you much longer to come out of that. If you will, if you will grab a hold of yourself and say, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. The enemy is meaning this as shock and awe, but this was no surprise to my Father in heaven. Amen. He knew what was coming. Amen? Amen? Why don't you all stand up? I, I really do pray that this has been a blessing to you. I pray. I pray that you'll keep coming back on Wednesday nights. Amen. Now let me pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, Holy Spirit, take the things that we've talked tonight, the things that you've inspired us, the scriptures, the illustrations. Lord, I pray that you would minister to every single one of us here individually according to the need at this moment right now. Father, I pray for soundness, strength, stability, a rock-solid confidence in you, Father God, that will carry us through any storm, that will cause us to overcome every attack of the enemy. That would cause us, Father God, to press in deeper to you, Father, so that all the manifestations of the Holy Spirit could be active in our lives, that he would teach us and that we would learn, that he would remind us and we'll hold on to it, that he'll show us things to come and we won't blow it off. It's like, oh, I guess that's my imagination. No, no, no. You love us. You care for us. You want us to be stable. Now, Father, I come against every attack of the enemy. Attacks of retaliation for having gained ground in this area, Lord. We bind the enemy. We take authority over every attempt to bring confusion and darkness. Father, we receive by faith your peace. Help us to develop patience, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way in each and every one of our lives. We yield ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you, Holy Spirit. Why don't you just say that right now with me? Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you. I submit myself to you. I know you want to do a work in me. And you want to do work through me. 
so I rely on you. Thank you that you've not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. I declare I have soundness of mind. Christ has been made unto me wisdom. I have his mind. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.